podcast, Catechism of the Catholic Church, in one year. Today is day 108, and we begin with number 796. The Church is the Bride of Christ. The unity of Christ and the Church, head and members of one body, also implies the distinction of the two within a personal relationship. This aspect is often expressed by the image of bridegroom and bride. The theme of Christ as bridegroom of the Church was prepared for the prophets and announced by John the Baptist. The Lord referred to himself as the bridegroom. The apostle speaks of the whole church and of each of the faithful members of his body as a bride, betrothed to Christ and the Lord, so as to become but one spirit with him. The church is the spotless bride of the spotless lamb. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her. He has joined her with himself in an everlasting covenant and never stops caring for her as for his own body. This is the whole Christ, head and body, one formed from many. Whether the head or members speak, it is Christ who speaks. He speaks in his role as the head, ex persona capitis, and in his role as, bo- in, and in his role as body, ex persona corporis. What does this mean? The two will become one flesh. This is a great mystery, and I am applying it to Christ and the church. And the Lord himself says in the gospel, so they are no longer two, but one flesh. They are, in fact, two different persons, yet they are one in the conjugal union. As head, he calls himself the bridegroom. As body, he calls himself bride. What the soul is to the human body, the Holy Spirit is to the body of Christ, which is the church. To this spirit of Christ, as an invisible principle, is to be ascribed the fact that all the parts of the body are joined one with the other and with their exalted head. For the whole spirit of Christ is in the head, the whole spirit is in the body, and the whole spirit is in each of the members. The Holy Spirit makes the church the temple of the living God. Indeed, it is to the church herself that the gift of God has been entrusted, and it is in her that communion with Christ has been deposited. That is to say, the Holy Spirit the pledge of incorruptibility, the strengthening of our faith, and the latter of our ascent to God. For where the church is, there is also God's Spirit. Where God's Spirit is, there is the church in every grace. The Holy Spirit is the principle of every vital and truly saving action in each part of the body. He works in many ways to build up the whole body in charity. By God's Word, which is able to build you up, by baptism, through which He forms Christ's body, by the sacraments which give growth and healing to Christ's members, by the grace of the apostles which holds the first place among his gifts, by the virtues which make us act according to what is good, finally, by the many graces called charisms by which he makes the faithful, fit and ready to undertake various tasks and offices for the renewal and building up of the church. Whether extraordinary or simple and humble, charisms are graces of the Holy Spirit which directly or indirectly benefit the church, ordered as they are to her building up to the good of men and to the needs of the world. Charisms are to be accepted with gratitude by the person who receives them and by all members of the church as well. They are a wonderfully rich grace for the apostolic vitality and for the holiness of the entire body of Christ, provided they really are genuine gifts of the Holy Spirit and are used in full conformity with authentic promptings of this same spirit, that is, in keeping with charity the true measure of all charisms. 
It is in this sense that the discernment of charisms is always necessary. No charism is exempt from being referred and submitted to the church's shepherds. Their office is not indeed to extinguish the spirit, but to test all things and hold fast to what is good, so that all the diverse and complementary charisms work together for the common good. Father. Thanks, Bill. As... Uh as as a Christ, as Christ lives within the church and His body, um, we will never separate the Trinity, and so we know that the Spirit also is uh, has a place of indwelling within uh, the church, right? And of course, because just as each individual believer has the, um, is a is made a receptacle through baptism of of the Holy Spirit, so the church as a, as the entire body of Christ together united is also uh, houses. The Holy Spirit. It is the great gift um, that that He offers, a gift of His very self, and nothing short of it. Because nothing short of it would be worth it, right? Nothing short of it would could ever match what what He could offer, except for Himself. And so, it is this gift. But and I just kind of want to point out that it's it's should be something that we kind of take note of that just as we quickly move through um, the the church as the body of Christ and the temple of the Holy Spirit uh, in that reflection. There is this understanding of charism, right? That that jumps in, like rather than being part of who the Holy Spirit is of Himself, we see it as a charism, as this external gift for the sake of the church. Now, uh, we did a podcast on on charisms, a, lo- a longer one, uh, on July 9th. So if you want to look it up, you can um, you can listen to that that kind of longer explanation about some of the individual charisms that are kind of. But it is important to see that it's always for the benefit of the church. But also something that maybe we don't spend nearly enough time with in in reflection is because we think of charism as as this individual gift, as this individual thing that even though it's maybe meant directly or indirectly for the building up of the church, it also is to be submitted to the church <laughs> that um, and to the shepherds in particular who are given this role as as testing all things and keeping what is good, something that was. Uh, stated by Lumen Gentium in Vatican II and then renewed by Pope St. John Paul II in, in, um, in his document, uh, Christi Fidelis Leici, so uh, the lay faithful of Christ, right? That it is meant to be a, a, a thing always done in service to the church, but obviously that has a s- sense of submission too, right? And that's not a bad thing. Right, if if this is truly from God, not, the church is never going to stop it. Couldn't stop it even if we wanted to, right? But if the we, how awful would it be to say, oh, I'm doing it for for the right reasons, and then to not, <laughs> and then to be working on the wrong side, and and I think I think there is a little bit of that that we just need to always remember, especially amongst those who are um, who, who think that they're using that gifts well to say, right, it's not for me. None of this is is my preference, right? We do it. We, you know, we have to do that with everything in the faith. The liturgy is not about my preference. The prayers aren't for for my good. The um, all, all the charisms are not because they help me, but truly because what we need is to be faithful to God, who has been faithful to us. He's been made His presence known and confirmed within the church, and so we ought to make ourselves known and confirmed by the church that it is this this place of privileged interchange that we submit to God and, and to his body in the church, 
so that we can be fed by God and his body, the church.